If you don't read the newspaper, you're uninformed. If you do read it, you're misinformed. What is the long-term effect of too much information? Information, information, I just need some information. I've been dying, I've been dying, is it lack of education? I've been reading, I've been reading without any transformation. I'm addicted, I'm addicted, is it overstimulation? Hey. Welcome to the Success Report. The Success Report. Hear ye, hear ye, come one, come all. You are listening to The Sixth Sense Report with Joel Nikoloff and Darnell Samuels. Yo, man, the world ain't ready for this one. <laughs> that, that sounds a bit extreme, but uh, maybe the church is not ready for this one. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah, fair enough. Well, I mean, I say the world because because to some extent, you know, the the, the church and specifically one church is, is kind of putting itself in uh, conflict both with potentially other churches, but, but the state. Um, and so, you know, church versus the state technically is a, a world issue. Well, if you guys didn't guess, we're talking about John MacArthur opening up his church um, in light of uh, the COVID restrictions on the church um, to open. And it's funny because, you know, this issue is bound to come up, I think, in light of, you know, COVID happening, um, the COVID lockdowns happening around the world. And, you know, it posed the question to the church, like, what should we do? This affects us practically. So like, Joel, how did that, like, how did it affect you, COVID and not being able to go to church? Because some people say this is not, it doesn't really matter whether you go or not. Did it affect you? Yeah. I mean, for me, I, I you know, there's, I'll say there's some circumstantial stuff that you know, I was, let's say I was in transition with respect, not to my church, but, you know, transitioning between a small group and, and I definitely have felt that this is probably the, one of the most weighty things or the most burdensome, um, on my walk. Um, How so? In, well, um, I, I would say for the, you know, so I go to, to Hope Oakville, uh, Hope Bible Church Oakville, and I started going there like five years ago. And I think Jenna and I got into a small group basically right away and, you know, going to church and going to small group, I don't know if refreshing is the right word, but, you know, the idea of being in the word and renewing my spirit is one of like, I felt that more than, more than anywhere. I felt that while doing church in community, if that makes sense. Right. So, or, or being in the word in community, I should say. And just based on, you know, circumstances leading up to this, um, I was transitioning between from one small group that, that sort of was falling apart, not, not because of anyone's fault. Um, just, you know, uh, let's just say the, the group had run its course, people's schedules were changing and sort of, we all sort of needed to find a new, new small group to, that worked with our new schedules. And like, I was about to join a small group that got squashed and, and I've just, you know, I, I honestly feel a yearning for that community, you know? Yeah. Listening to sermons. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I'm in a, a zoom calls, you know, small group, which, which I do love. Um, and, but, but I know it doesn't, it feels good and feels uplifting and renewing my spirit, but, but I still feel, um, there's something lacking in regards to what I've been experiencing while being in community and in my church community. And uh, yeah, just, you know, in regards to, uh, you know, my point being like, I just felt like it's the most burdened 
aspect of maybe the last 10 years that I've had on my walk with God, right? being in the word and, you know, whether it's being encouraged or to, you know, and, and accountability and, and all the other aspects that just come from, from walking with others. Um, it's, it's not the same. It's, you know, like church capacity right now is like 30%. We're doing church. We're doing, we're living in the body at a diminished percentage than, than I would argue we're called to. Uh, and personally I have felt it, um, just in my spirit, just, just weighty and, and, uh, I'll say agonizing to get back to being in community. What about you? Where, where, where do you kind of fall on this? I mean, you've always, you know, you go to a, a slightly different church in the sense that, I mean, we both commute to our church, but, um, yours is a little farther than mine. So yeah, I'm in, I'm in the hardest city. So I attend uh, Jarvis street Baptist church and yeah, it's the same thing. Um, as everybody else, uh, just the way how it's affected me, not attending, um, you know how barbershop talk where people say, you know, I don't have to go to church to be a Christian. Um, I can, I can, I can sit at home and, and, and do church at home. Uh, well, we've, you know, no, that's not true. Cause, um, you know, we were living it <laughs> and YouTube is not cutting it. YouTube and, uh, um, just the lack of discipline, you know, rolling out of your, in your pajamas and your wave cap and sitting in front of the computer with your wife and eating breakfast. And, um, generally it's not the same. No, it's not the same. And, and then you miss the fellowship and that's, and that's where, where yes. it really hits me, hits um, the fellowship. Um, watching the, the, the word online wasn't helpful. So I had to start supplementing my diet with my own personal Bible studies and creating my own Bible study groups and my own reading schedule to edify myself. Cause it wasn't, uh, YouTube is just not cutting it. And I miss the people, even just listening to the voices on, um, the, the Wednesday night prayer meeting and Bible study, just hearing people's voices again, um, was, was wonderful. Um, I'm back at church with, with the new restrictions in Canada. Uh, we're at 30 per- percent capacity. Um, so for some churches, I know they have to, um, send in a request and let people know that they're coming ahead of time, uh, to, to, to manage the, the, um, the people coming in. So it's different than what's going on in the States, um, where it's still on a lockdown. And so that's where this John MacArthur situation came up where he's like, okay, his elders, basically him and the elders basically released a statement. Yeah. Sorry. Just to, just to be specific, they're restricted to like 50 people as opposed to, you know, 20% oh, okay. of your capacity with social distancing rules there, there, theirs is like 50 people for, and for their church, their size, much like, you know, my church, Hope Oakville, you know, if you said, Oh, bring 50 people, that means don't have church. Okay. 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 I didn't know that. I didn't know that. Okay. So yeah. So basically he, they just basically opened up the doors and told everybody, um, that, yeah, you come on in. Um, and against the government's restrictions. So, and then that's been a hot, that, that's been the hot topic uh, for the past couple weeks. So one of the key things that, that stood out in the statement, um, but before we, we get that, I just, Joel, I just want to clarify uh, to the listeners, the importance of, of, of church polity and how these things work. So um, we did a show called the uh, Institutes with Joe Boot. And we talked about sphere sovereignty. So we're definitely going to get into a lot of that today. We're going to get into John MacArthur's uh, statements. We're going to get into Jonathan Lehman and uh, the Nine Marks guys and their response. And for those of you guys who don't know the Nine Marks guys, they basically are the pro-church guys. But it's funny because the pro-church guys are speaking against um, John MacArthur um, being pro-church and opening the church during COVID. So it's been a very good collegial, I think collegial debate, um, intramural debate for Christians. And, and it brings up a, it really 
causes us to reflect on our ecclesiology. Ecclesiology meaning the study of the church. What does the Bible say on how church should be ran? And so for those of you guys who don't understand, uh, there's a idea of church polity. If you go to church, there's a political structure within the church. There is a hierarchy. Yes, there is a hierarchy in the church and, and how it's built. So real off the bat, real quick, there's, the, there's just two main um, models that you see. There's a congregational model and the presbyter, meaning the elder led. So the congregation is the congregation makes um, the, the bulk of the, the decisions in that they get to vote who the elders are and they vote the elders in the leadership. So real quick, the elders are responsible for preaching and teaching. Deacons are responsible for um, the, the basic needs of, of the congregation, just to be clear. So with the congregation, they vote in the elders. And so the elders basically have to rely on the congregation, on the people to vote in. So when, when John MacArthur's church, they're congregational. And now the other perspective is the elder led where the congregation doesn't vote. It's usually the elders who are, who are leading um, and who make the main decisions. Um, and they, they're the ones for, um, they, they have the ability to like fire the pastor. They're, they're the ones who are responsible for hiring the pastor as opposed to congregational. The congregation um, is responsible for it. The pros and cons, the pro to the congregation, con- congregational led is that um, the power is not consolidated with the elders, right? The power, the power, mm-hmm. you, the congregation can pull guys out, right? They can pull guys, uh, mm-hmm. the leadership out. The, the con of the congregational is that it's more messy because you have people who are not as mature, um, not as learned or godly as the elders. So you have those guys making decisions, which can be kind of dicey when you have laity making, um, getting involved in, in, in the running of the church. Especially when it influences theology, if yeah, they're yeah, ignorant yeah, yeah, on yeah, theology. Yeah, because, yes, yeah, you know, generally the elders know more than the, the laity. And so, but you have the laity involved in the process. Now, the other perspective is the presbyter uh, with the elders, where the elders make the decision. Now, the pro is that it is less messy, right? Because you have the guys who you appointed to make the decisions, the, the, el- the guys who, you, who are more mature, more learned, more studied in the scriptures, they get to make the decisions. The con, the power is consolidated and it's hard to pull guys out. It's hard to remove guys out of there. Yeah. Other than, you know, them removing yes. someone yeah. like uh, amongst yeah, so, themselves. So, right. So, so for the elders, the elders remove the pastor, congregational, the congregation can remove the pastor. So with all that said, John MacArthur's church is congregational led. So meaning that it wasn't just John MacArthur uh, sitting on his throne <laughs> and saying, let it be. Right. That's that. That's not the case. Uh, the congregation, um, he probably they probably put forth a motion and they voted and they, they discussed it and they did it as a congregation, as as a team and and, and, and released that statement. Now, uh, just to, I wanted to jump in because I, I would say from my reading of this statement um, I, I and, and just everything that I've seen, I got the impression it was more elder led. Um, but, 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 you know, I'll, I'll take your word for it. I just, I just, well, of course, maybe well, some no, of the listeners no, would resonate no, no, with of that. Course. Of course, of course, it's elder. Well, you know, they're not going to say, well, you know, the congregation, because right at the end of the day, um, it is the elders who are appointed to make these decisions. And the idea is that the church is an embassy and that and in an embassy, they, uh, have a diplomatic immunity, right? Shout out to Dipset in that. <laughs> Jim Jones and, and Hell Rell. Anyways, oh, yeah, way, way back, back. <laughs> Cameron Killer. All right, back, back to the top. <laughs> back to the topic, right? So, so, so with the church, you guys have to 
you guys have to put, look at it this way. Jesus Christ is the king um, and he has his kingdom and the church is his embassy on earth. And so I'll, the jurisdiction of the church the in, as an institute is under the authority of Jesus, right? So, so when you, so basically people are like, okay, so how does Jesus run the church? Well, he runs it through his word. So when you exegete the word and you go through it, um, the Bible gives you outline on how to conduct things. So for example, uh, Ephesians chapter four talks about elders being given as a gift to the congregation for their good. So God appoints the leaders at every church, everybody who's listening, every church that you're at, think about it. The elders that are at your church are a gift given from God to you for your growth and your maturity in Christ. And so we trust them, right? We don't pick a church. We, we submit to the authority of a church, right? So this is why this is happening in that the elders can say, okay, you know what? We have this authority in the name of Jesus to say, okay, look, um, we're, we're going um, to open to full capacity. One of the things that stood out from the statement was it said, insofar as government authorities do not attempt to assert ecclesiastical authority or issue orders that forbid our obedience to God's law, their authority is to be obeyed whether we agree with their rulings or not. In other words, Romans 13 and 1 Peter chapter 2 still bind the consciousness consciences of individual Christians. We are to obey our civil authorities as powers that God himself has ordained, right? So so at, th- at this point, he's just saying like, okay, look, in other words, Romans 13, because people will be like, oh, well, you know, we're supposed to obey the government. Like, how are you guys out here disobeying the government when Romans 13 and 1 Peter 2 tells you to to obey them? And And John MacArthur's acknowledging that like, this is still on our consciences, as Christians, and we and, and we should do that, right? However, while civil government is invested with divine authority to rule the state, neither of those texts nor any other grant civic rulers jurisdiction over the church. God has established three institutions within human society, the family, the state, and the church. Each institution has a sphere of authority with jurisdictional limits that must be respected. And, you know, this uh was it letter uh or or case statement statement um, statement yeah the it says you know the title's a biblical case right so um the there is a clear re- uh resonating with the what Joe boot was talking about right um autonomy spheres of sovereignty so there's some key words in there that that to me signals him and like Joe boot and and grace to you would have if not the same a very similar view on sort of what are the roles of the inst- these institutions the church the family and the state and you know one of my something i've i've probably i never articulated it this way probably until this issue um but i would say that the like in general obviously there's church some churches might uh fall outside of what i'm about to say but in general i feel like Christians and, and churches have a very uh, limited and and almost no sort of conversations or, or teaching on what is the biblical role of government? What are the boundaries that God and the Bible prescribe that the, the state is supposed to, to fall into? Um, I think I've heard you summarize it and I've heard Joe Boot summarize it really in the, in the realm of the role the state is to wield the sword. And execute justice. Justice, I mean, you know, 
me with my libertarian leanings uh, might draw the line of, of what qualifies as, you know, where justice is, is required for the state to, to create restitution. But I think that conversation of, you know, as he laid out in his article, article, when should we be pushing back on civil government who is going beyond the authority that they're prescribed for and coming into the sphere, the sphere of sovereignty that God has given to whether the family or the state or the church. And so, you know, my thought is that this is sort of highlighting, even though there's some good discourse, I think your, your point is, is really, really accurate that, that the nine marks, for example, uh, article I thought was, was well written and respectful. Uh, while I would say seems like they would disagree. Right. But, but the key point is, is where do they disagree? Right. So because in, in the John MacArthur article, he goes on to say, render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's and to God, the things that are God's Mark 12, Mark chapter 12, verse 17, our Lord himself always rendered to Caesar what was Caesar's, but he never offered to Caesar what belongs solely to God. So that what these guys are basically like, okay, well, yes, there is a distinction and we want to make sure that, you know, we're not misconstruing what John MacArthur is saying, like it's just one side, right? And so he goes on to say, when officials restrict church attendance to a certain number, they attempt to impose a restriction that in principle makes it impossible for the saints to gather at the church. When officials prohibit um, singing in worship, services, they attempt to impose a restriction that in principle makes it impossible for the people of God to obey the commands of Ephesians chapter five, verse 19 and Colossians uh, chapter three, verse 16. When officials mandate distancing, they attempt to impose a restriction that in principle makes it impossible to experience the close communion between believers that is commanded in Romans chapter 16, verse 16, 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verse 20, 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 12, and 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 26. In all those spheres, we must submit to our Lord, right? Now, even in Toronto, um, you know, even though we're open, uh, there were suggestions given by the city, and we'll post that in our show notes, um, telling, you know, restricting us from singing and from uh, doing communion. And some churches have, uh, in some cases, uh, not are not singing, um, have reduced their singing or not practicing communion. And so now you're kind of like, okay, well, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll get, we'll get into that. <laughs> we'll get into that, um, a little later, but yeah. Well, and, and obviously the, the, the ability to fellowship, the ability to have conversations, you know, those, those things are, are also restricted, you know, so where you might normally have a coffee table in the church, that's, you know, nope, that's not happening. Right. So there's lots of aspects of how the church is functioning, that is is basically being mandated to be different and and I think you know MacArthur's point is that they don't have that authority and and based on on the lack of their biblical authority we are called as the elders to determine the when where why and how we worship and gather what I thought was really really you know, insightful was the part of the article where he said, I want to find the specifics. The church by definition is an assembly. That is the literal meaning of the Greek word for church. Ecclesia. 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 The assembly. The called out ones. The called out ones. The elect, Joel. So, but this line right after that is the, is the line to me that, that is so kind of 
where I think he's leaning, I don't want to say leaning on, but, but is sort of the somewhat of a crux of his position. A non assembling assembly is a contradiction in terms. And, and now I want to, I want to lay this out for the listener just to, to be clear. I think our goal in this conversation is not, if, if it seems like we're leaning one way or the other, I, I don't want the listener to, to think that our, the way we're breaking these things down is the attempt to say, well, therefore, this is the right answer. Joel, that's a great point because that's that's what me and you are trying to say, but John MacArthur's not saying that. And that's where the beef is. Well, and see, here's the thing. He's also putting a statement forward of this uh, well, is what well, okay, my church well, is okay. doing. Okay, I, I, I would slightly um, disagree with that. I, I think you're going to say he's also prescribing it in a way. Sorry. So, yeah, this is what my church is doing based on my under or our conviction no, of what no. well, the Bible says. Yeah, yes, okay, yes. Based okay. on um his conviction, but we have to remember John MacArthur and and Grace to you and what they've been doing for the past what was it? 48 years? 40 years? 40 years. That, that they've been in business. <laughs> um but John MacArthur is known for um drawing hard lines and 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 speaking in absolute terms. And that's where the problem is with this whole situation, because that's where nine marks comes out and says, it makes a statement in a sense, opposing what John MacArthur's saying. And that's where the beef is coming because people are saying, okay, well, how are you out here? You guys are the nine marks guys. You guys are nine marks of a healthy church. And John MacArthur's church is trying to practice what a healthy church should do. And now you guys are telling us not to. And then, you know, nine marks is the guys, especially Jonathan Lehman is being accused of a, being a compromiser and all his other stuff. A, hypoc- a hypocrite, a hypocrite on A.D. Robles's show, man. Oh man. Uh, called him out. And, um, because so so Jonathan Lehman released two statements. The first statement, uh, AD nailed him on it and and called him out like, okay, well, it seems to me that you're compromising, because he pulled up a tweet from uh, Jonathan Lehman about him being at a Black Lives Matter um, rally and and promoting it and encouraging people during lockdown to be a part of it. And so he's like, okay, so you know. What it's not okay for us to meet for church, but it's okay to meet for a Black Lives Matter rally, okay? And he's calling them out in in, in that way. And a lot of people have been asking that question since um, the George Floyd situation um, happened, and 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 the protests. And people are like, okay, so if these protests are okay, and people are okay to gather in this instance, so why can't we gather for church? If it, if if Corona is that serious, and that was the contradiction that a lot of people were calling it calling out. Yeah. And, and see, this is where I think, you know, you can agree with MacArthur wholeheartedly and come to a different conclusion based on one premise, perception of risk. And and this is something that I was, when we were talking with on Kazingaram dialogue with uh, Shout Amos, out to IJ, yeah, Amos. Yeah. When we were talking to them, I kept going back to okay, but what's the risk or, or what level of risk would justify these things? Because I think the the risk is is so relevant, right? And even you know the dialogue between uh, Phil Johnson and and Jonathan Lehman sort of goes oh, that was on Twitter. Uh, I can uh, put it, it in was the a show Mark notes. Dever, Mark Dever. <laughs> oh yeah, and Le- I think Lehman jumped in <laughs> yeah. uh, later. Um, I love Twitter, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so um, my my point though was that in in that conversation and and when the you know the rally gets brought up and all these things. The point that I'm trying to make is that 
if if you believe the uh, or sorry, I think Lehman's question or maybe it was Devers. I don't remember which one off the top of my head was sort of asking, well, why did you shut down in the first place? And and MacArthur's church actually now, when you look at the blog, uh, it sort of has a secondary, you know explanation as to why did we originally submit and now we're choosing not to. And I think it's so fundamental to understand, okay, in March, nobody knew there was a high level of ignorance. We were concerned, you know, there's a high, um, what was it? Highly contagious and highly deadly was the the speculation. I mean, I've already hashed out why I don't think it was an accurate sort of concern, but that's a different conversation. And that, so, that's a different podcast that we already <laughs> this, did. Yes. But, but the point is, to be, I still said it made sense to be cautious for that. You know, let's let's gather more information, and so you know, to shut down your church temporarily while MacArthur's statement still holds true is all dependent upon what risk are you perceiving. And I mean, there's a great again. I'll put in the show notes page. MacArthur put out a sermon that obviously addressing this. That was the very next sermon that he had. The title of it, I have it here somewhere. Uh, we must obey God rather than man. You know, he he speaks to a little bit of the relative risk. And for their church and, and their elders, they perceived that the risk of COVID was not substantial enough. And now my point was that Devers, Jonathan Lehman, could have all the same convictions, but perceive the risk to be much greater such that they come to a different conclusion. And and so this is where there's an there's an aspect of this conversation that I think is so frustrating where not so much these guys, because I thought their back and forth was relatively cordial, not so, you know, much better than some of the other uh discourses we've seen in the latter, you know, couple years. Yeah, over social justice stuff. Yeah, exactly. Um and and so but I think some of the like a friend of mine uh has uh, this Facebook post and he said sort of uh, in light of Mark Dever's article, which is fairly balanced approach that neither Jonathan took away. Lehman. Jonathan Lehman. Uh, okay. Well, I'm just reading his post. So okay. Okay. Um, okay. Cool. De- yeah, it was Dever's article with Lehman. So I guess it was the two of them. Anyways, uh, it was a balanced approach that neither took away the Christian liberty to meet, but also did not agree to to the need for civil disobedience. Comes this article that also raises a fair point. What really are our priorities as Christians? And then this is the the crux of his post, why I wanted to read it. It is sad to see evangelical leaders engaged in a shot-for-shot dialogue with each other. Tend to your own flocks. Follow the conscience as it is led by the word of God and allow other Christian leaders to lead their flocks according to the will of God when they have consciously agreed that the decision is the right decision. Okay. Okay, that's good. It's 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 such an... My buddy, shout out, Lauren... Um, uh, hopefully he listens. I think he does, but you know, it's, it's, I think it's such a, de, you know, of the church having an opportunity right now where we're challenging the state, the rest of the church needs to recognize we have an audience and how are we loving our brother who we're in disagreement with? Yeah. But you know what, Joel, but in, in the pushback in, mm-hmm. in the, in the pushback against that, the argument is that John MacArthur is, um, is, is, do, is a bad witness to the world because what Christians are saying, other Christians are saying is that you should be um, not putting other people in harm's way. There was a church in South Korea and we'll put a a, a note um, um, in the show notes. There was a church in South Korea that um, in the start of COVID uh, continued to meet and further spread 
was spreading the virus. And so basically what people are saying is that John MacArthur um, is being a bad witness to unbelievers and showing them like, okay, well, here's Christians putting more people at harm by continuing to meet. And so that way they're saying, okay, well, no, you're wrong, John MacArthur. And the aspect that John MacArthur speaks in absolutes. And that's just what he does, man. That's just who he is. And that was the beef that Jonathan Lehman and the nine Marks guys had with him. Right. And so I'm, I'm going to, I want to read a part from, um, um, Jonathan Lehman and, and just, and I just want to make a note. I have a lot of nine Marks books and I love nine Marks and I continue to support them and I love them and they help me to build my ecclesiology and they'll help you. So don't let this one situation be like, ah, nine Marks, you see, Ah, I'm done with these guys. Right. So that's just not the case. Or, but, you know. or grace to you if you're on the yeah. other side. Yeah. Or, or grace to you. Right. It's, it's just, you know, you, know, you got to agree to disagree. But this is what this was John, John, Jonathan Lehman's issue. It's possible I misunderstood the GCC elder statement. I'm happy to be concerned to be corrected. But to my eyes, it essentially read. This is the way of faithfulness, and we're calling upon the churches to join us in obedience to Christ. Then it asks churches everywhere to demonstrate such obedience to Christ by affirming the statement with a signature. I believe this message was communicated in the title and the opening lines about Christ, not Caesar being Lord. And then open bracket, could it be that other Christians are trying to obey Christ by obeying Caesar? And close, close, um, close bracket. And it was communicated again and again throughout the statement. For example, compliance would be disobedience to our Lord's clear commands. Here's another statement. Pastors who cede their Christ delegated authority in the church to civil ruler have abdicated their responsibility before their Lord and violated the God ordained sphere of authority. And lastly, our prayer is that every faithful congregation will stand with us in obedience to our Lord. So um, I think my my previous point about relative risk is, or, or sorry, perceived level of risk um, is something that I think plays a huge factor. Wait, in, in regards to what John MacArthur said, do you agree with John MacArthur said? Uh, in regards to Lehman's criticisms. Oh, so you agree? With, so hold on. So you agree with Lehman? No. What do I'm you agree saying, with John? I, I kind of agree with both, but I, I sort of see a, a disconnect in that. I, and, and so I would say if John MacArthur was sort of making a proclamation that that this, like there was any proclamations about the risk of COVID because they reference sort of their levels of perceptions regarding the risk. And that government really, we know government officials cannot be trusted over the history of time. There's always power corrupts, power corrupts, corrupts absolutely, or absolute power. Um, obviously, that's not a biblical quote, but you get the point I'm trying to make that, that you know, politicians are have, de- over the history of time, have demonstrated less trustworthiness than we would like. Sorry, 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 sorry. What does it have to do with John MacArthur? So the point, they, they basically, it, that's part of his statement, right? He refer, he, this is literally a paragraph about, you know, in, we really can't, you know, we know that they're not as trustworthy individuals, right? I mean, basically they're sinners running the government. So there's always, you know. Well, um, I don't, well, I mean, so, okay, but yes, the point okay. is this, the point is this, the government's like perception of risk and communicated level of risk 
is it sounds like they didn't just disregard it, right? This is the point I'm trying to make. His article seems to demonstrate um, MacArthur's seems to demonstrate that they, you know, heeded to the government official originally, and then as time progressed, they felt the government, especially with regards to protests, was conf- was contradicting itself in a manner that made their statements about the risk of COVID no longer trustworthy. And as a result, they have, there's, there's sort of a one line and I, I wish I sort of had it off the top of my head or, or I might've highlighted it. I'll see if I can find it. But there, there's this sense that the elders have determined that the level of risk does not require shutting down. And, and so it, there's, There's an aspect where, that's why I kind of said, my point about the risk is that, you know, if if something was causing your population to potentially die at a rate of 50%, meaning your population of your church, it would be unwise for the elders to say, yeah, we're just going to do church. You are required to come as a congregant Uh, or or that is our expectation. But I don't, I don't, I don't think that's the point though. Well, okay. So the point I'm trying to make is that I think that Lehman's response doesn't totally give room for for the idea that if I perceive the risk to be different, I can still agree with MacArthur 100% and come to a different conclusion. Because it goes back to, well, why did we, why did we originally shut down? If Because his point, or at least from what I've gotten from Grace to you and, and, and MacArthur is, this has sort of always been their position, but they have not been in a place where they felt it was necessary to actually say, you know what, you've overstepped your authority and we as elders within our autonomy, which is, you know, they actually use the word autonomy, which I thought was really interesting, within our autonomy are deciding that this is what we are going to do because it is what is best for our church and congregants as we perceive the word of God is calling us to do. Now, is it is it a fair criticism that his article sort of says this is what other churches we believe this is what all churches should do? I, I can see I can see the basis for those those concerns or criticisms that he's being, you know, um his language is so harsh that those who disagree could have a sense of guilt to cause them change their perspective. Um but I would say that it is written strong enough that those who haven't evaluated these things should be caused to evaluate them. And in that sense, I would say the heavy handedness is appropriate, right? So, and that's why I keep going back to, you know, even why I read my buddy's quote, because there's an aspect of as much as MacArthur proclaims these things with so much conviction and confidence that, or his church proclaims it with so much conviction and confidence that it might rub people the wrong way. I mean, I, I think people are reading into it when when there's, let's say, a sense that if you disagree, MacArthur's going to view you as sinning. Well, well, he is. And that's the way he's speaking, right? Yes and no, because there is sort of, there's very much a sense of our church. This is our church and our church's, you know, evaluation sorry, for sorry, who's making the like case. That? MacArthur. No. Right? No, Joel. No, Joel. Don't, Joe, that's what I'm. That's what I've been saying. John MacArthur doesn't talk that way. He never has. For the last forty years, John MacArthur has always drawn hard lines. 
So he's not, there's never anything that comes out of John MacArthur's mouth is never, ever neutral. Well, I'm not saying neutral. What I'm saying, though, is that there's, there's, yes, if there's, you there's don't do it my way, or there's, it's my way or the highway. That's that. That's how John MacArthur, MacArthur exegetes and preaches. It's my, not my way. He's not saying John MacArthur's way. He's saying like, look, this exegesis of 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 the way how it is of of this particular issue, um, um, strange fire, election, uh, speaking in tongues, um, all these things. He draws hard lines on. And including this. So it's only natural that people would get mad, but it's only natural. This is what John MacArthur has done for the last 40 years. And this is why Mm -hmm. a lot of people love him, because he just speaks in those absolutes. But again, now this is polarizing, right? Because you're speaking in absolutes. And then it brings up the issue of civil disobedience, right? Is this a civil disobedience issue, right? And this is what um, um, Amin, Amin, um, Johnson, is it? Um, Amin from um, the podcast with KB, um, a Southside Rabbi, I believe. And so, yeah, he, he released a statement. He was saying like, yeah, like, like this seems like civil disobedience. But when we had um, Joe Boot on the show for episode, was it episode 80, Joel? Uh, I want to say 79, but. Well, yeah, you guys should definitely, you guys, should, you guys definitely have to check it out because we go into depth about the spheres of sovereignty and where the overlap happens and and where um, they they're um, allowed to stand alone. But but yeah, seventy nine. Yeah, okay, so so Joe Boot was um, fighting for um, a charter change in regards to letting uh, churches in Canada open, and um and I, and I think you and um what were the numbers of the churches? Cause there was a lot of churches that were against Joe boot trying to get the churches open. Go ahead, Joel. Well, I mean, he never, he wasn't explicit in that. What he had said was, um, so within Ontario, um, only I say the word only, he said 400 churches sort of co-signed the document. My understanding, uh, I'd have to look it up again. Um, I thought, there was sort of like, a, let's call it a reformed Dutch denomination, or there was like, I don't want to call them an obscure domination, but a denomination that I wasn't really totally aware of. But but those 400 churches, I think predominantly were um, from one denomination. So, but what he had said, which was interesting, and I think it got to like 450 technically, um, but he said there was actually churches opposing him doing the charter challenge. He never mentioned how many on the show, um, but he sort of said, like, what what I found surprising was that, not that that, oh, you know what, we're still going to stay closed, but that they opposed him making a charter challenge that churches need to be opened. And and to me, this sort of highlights something that I find frustrating. Going back to what I said about, you know, we have a lack of sort of theology around and, and teaching around what is the, the the state's role from a biblical perspective. It's this sort of like ignorant Romans thirteen means submit to the government no matter what approach. I, I that's where I see like so why would you oppose a charter challenge? Like to me, it makes no sense. Someone is saying we are taking a constitutional challenge that. The rights that are, you know, not like the U.S. for our U.S. listeners, our rights are sort of, you know, prescribed, but then the government is allowed to sort of weigh them against each other. But anyways, you know, the the charter challenge concept, and this was for Ontario, was that the charter is being violated because we are not given any ability to open 
when other organizations are opening. Um, and so unequal measures is sort of the concept. So for my, my point though, is that for a church to oppose challenging the government in that regard makes no sense to well, me. Well, yes, no, it, it does make sense, Joel. Well, because I was going to say, I can see that a church says, even if we get an ability to open, we're not going to open. That I can totally agree with right. the church taking right. that but approach. Part of it is like a lot of times, and this is why we have the show, because a lot of times Christians don't understand the economic implications and then the theological implications and, and merging both the sciences together. So, for example, with the charter, right? What, what does the charter say? Section two of the Canadian Charter of Rights and Freedoms guarantees the freedom of expression, freedom of association, and freedom of peaceful assembly. Protests are a way for people to express themselves for or against decisions made by government or other powerful institutions. So with, with, with um, that section, section 2C, um, we see that we are free to meet, right? But what we see is that the province is going against that. And so for us to say, okay, you know what? No, we're going to remain open. No, we're we're going to meet. We're not we're we're not we're not practicing civil disobedience. We're practicing our our, our civil rights in, in an aspect. We're we're practicing our 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 rights and freedoms. This isn't this isn't um civil disobedience. Civil disobedience would be like okay, well we don't have this right. We don't have this freedom of assembly and peaceful assembly and association and freedom to practice our religion. And so when we do that, that's civil disobedience. But if it, but if it's in the law for us to do it, we're only practicing our rights. We're not, we're not practicing civil disobedience, and that's where the confusion is happening. Well, and I think for the American audience, you know, there might be a little bit of a difference there with regards to how you treat civil disobedience, because um, I would argue their rights pre-exist their constitution or charter, like we have ours, sort of is embodied in the charter. So just for the audience, they might sort of say, "Wait, that doesn't make sense." The way we see civil disobedience. Okay. True, true. That's a good point, Joel. So, okay, what's your two cents on this whole issue, Joel? I I think the biggest thing for me is I think Christians should take this opportunity as a reason to to really think about you know what what do, what do we as Christians expect from the government? I mean, go go listen to that episode with Joe Boot. I'd say go listen to more audio. Go listen to to more conversations that Joe Boot is. And we also did an episode. We also did an episode on church and state as well. Yeah, and and. and I mean, my, my thought is that, you know, educate yourself for one, you know, where, where, cause I would ask most Christians, well, how do you determine when the state has overstepped its, its role? And I can almost guarantee you, none of them have a standard for that or a principle for judging true. it. Very true. Um, Very and true. that's sort of my point. When I go back to, we have a lack of preaching on this. We have a lack of teaching on this for, for the church to be empowered, to stand up for ourselves. Um, and so I think the other thing, um, this is a statement that that I think transcends this conversation. One of the biggest problems we have right now is people proclaiming what's right for others. You know, whether it's a little bit of, and, and I wouldn't say it's true necessarily for MacArthur. I mean, you, me and you would disagree a little bit there. I think he's proclaiming it in a way that says, I don't see how anyone else can disagree. But I also... Um, See, he's laying out a foundation where here's how I think you should be. A, here's the principles and and idea and and biblical support for how I think everyone else should evaluate this. Um, that said, I think that 
for for our audience, you know, I think we we really need to have a little more concern for the fact that we're being uh, prevented. You know, I think there's. I'll put it in the show notes page because we're we're getting tight on time here, and and we're gonna get close to wrap. We're wrapping up, and and I could keep going, but there's a um, Justice Gorsuch did a, had a dissonant over a Nevada Supreme Court case where a church was basically saying they were unfairly treated. And and it's pretty epic as a means of of showing, or he's saying the church is being persecuted because they have an unfair, um, you know, restraint on them. And, and so my point is that, like, what is the standards here? What is the, you know, what are the guidelines? What, what are we reaching towards, right? Like, if you look at this whole COVID shutdown thing, we've been... The issue of being regulated is is sort of un un you know we're just like okay fine to the government but but how far does it go what are the standards how do we determine when this temporary time is over I mean there's this issue with Bill 195 in Ontario which again I won't get into but I'll I'll put a good link in the show notes where essentially we've handed over a whole bunch of additional power to our provincial government that only happens in you know wartime emergencies and and so. We have we we have a huge lack of objective measures from our officials, from our you know politicians saying, here's you know the the objective measures that we're trying to achieve. It's none of that. It's you know, in my opinion, it's pandering to the public after they've been scaring the crap out of us for two months or four months um, with how much of a concern it is. Now everybody is so scared that the politicians are just, in my opinion, they're going by public opinion. They're 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 governing based on what do the people want me to do, not what is best for the people. Um, and so that's kind of why I referenced the idea of objective measures, right? They're supposed to be the experts, but they give us no standards, no guidance, really, other than here's the new rules. You were doing enough, but or you were doing everything. We're thankful, but it's not enough. Here's one more thing. And oh, you know what? Two weeks later, here's one more thing. And and so, you know, at what point in time does it say, you know what? The church can't open at all. Or second lockdown, again, without objective standards, just pure whimsical sort of public opinion sway. Um, so Darnell for you, um, you know, where, where do you want to take the listener? Where do you want to leave the listener? Where do you, what, what's your two cents? Okay. So for me, you know, my, I call myself a churchman, you know, some people say, okay, you know, I'm, I'm Pentecostal, I'm non-denominational, I'm reformed. I take on the title of churchman. I love the church. That's what, that's what it says on my Twitter churchman. And I believe that the problem that Christians have is they have a weak ecclesiology. They have a weak understanding of their role in the church and what the, what the church is supposed to do. And so the flip side of what you're saying is what I'm, what I'm saying is that, okay, look, perfect compliment. (laughs) (laughs) So the, the, the church, um, Yes, is the embassy. Um, Jesus Christ is the head. Um, the elders are there as a gift to you for your good. But also, uh, you know, the issue of COVID is not an absolute truth. People can disagree on how the numbers are being interpreted, how the um, how the um, yeah the numbers are being interpreted, how um, the disease is being interpreted. There, there's there's differing perspectives, and people are kind of acting like this isn't this is an absolute truth that um, people have to heed to, right? And even like with um, the, the recent uh, comments from this uh, woman um, oh, saying that there's a treatment, um, 
a treatment for COVID. So like, like the, the point I'm making is that there, there, there's differing perspectives with that said, with the church having its um, own authority and, and the elders of each church have been appointed by the congregation, um, even in the Presbyterian model that, that the um, elders are um, at some point um, responsible as well, equally responsible. So for the individual, the Christian, you have to think to yourself, okay, if, if your elders believe that COVID is, is, is that big of a problem and you should stay home, then stay home. Mm-hmm. Right. Or, or but also, it, yeah, or, yeah, or, right. Or it, but if, but if, but if your church believes that, um, COVID is not that big of an issue, um, and they decide to open the doors as an embassy, they're allowed to do that. Right. Like the, like the, um, previous episode we did about, um, is BLM sin, the distinction between the church and the Christian. So the church has the authority to, to open and close the doors, but the Christian has a responsibility to obey the government and to obey Christ. And, and so I'm going to leave you guys. I would say the going back to the institutes, what the, their focus should be the welfare of their family, right? The concerns of yeah, their okay, family yeah, 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 can, right, can cause right. them to respond differently. Yes. Yes. Okay. Yes. Yes. So, 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 so those are the aspects, but in relationship from the individual to his church and the government, this is the, this is the verse I'm going to give you Romans 14, chapter 14, verse 23. And this one has to do with the issue of meat being offered to idols, the stronger Christian, the weaker Christian. And that verse says, but whoever has doubts is condemned if he eats because the eating is not from faith for whatever is not does not proceed from faith is sin. If you do not, if, if you are going to church, um, and like for John MacArthur's people, if they believe that, if they don't, if they don't believe that that's what the scriptures teach and they have a conviction not to go, but they go, that's sin. So have faith based on your faith and what you feel that the, the scriptures are teaching. It would be sin for you to go to John MacArthur's church. If, 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 if you believe that he's wrong, now, you can still be a part of John MacArthur's church and, and watch it on YouTube. That doesn't make you not part of his church. All I'm saying is that for the Christian, exercise um, your freedom in Christ to say like, you know what? Um, this doesn't affect my conviction. Um, I believe that it would be sin for me to stay home. Or some would say, I believe it, it would be sin for me to go. Either way, make sure that whatever you guys do, it's out of faith and that you're not sinning. And, and I think, you know, the fact you brought up Romans 14, it perfectly ties into the, you know, I think some of the stuff I was talking about, not judging each other with Romans 14, verse three, right? So same issue. The, the one who eats is to not regard with contempt the one who does not eat. The one who does not eat is to not judge the one who eats for God has accepted him. And I think the point being, going back to what you're saying, you make the decision based on your conscience and and what makes sense based on your context and, you know, how God's calling you to act to shepherd, you know, your family as the home, the leader of your family within, you know, the, the church polity that's kind of laid out the options for you. Um, and not judging either the brother in your church who chooses the opposite, whether he chooses, you know, to stay at home and watch or he chooses to go to church. Um or if another church is sort of making different decisions. And then this is where I would say, as much as MacArthur does speak with conviction and, and seems to sort of be very, uh, you know, proclaiming, it it does lack a sense of judging other people for doing differently. Lack. You mean he is judging? Like, I, I, 
No, saying like, I don't see anything in there that's judgmental of others other than saying, here's my standard. This is what we think is the truth. If you disagree, I disagree with you, but I'm not judging you. But that's, but that's, but that was Jonathan Lehman's point that you're judging. Well, and I, you're I you're, you're being judgmental and that's, but that's traditionally, remember, this is, John MacArthur is the same guy who told Larry King on his shoulder he's going to hell. <laughs> John, John MacArthur does not toe the line, right? But I, I think I think theologically looking at it this way, this issue of the church being open during lockdown is a secondary issue. So, right, there's a primary issues um, in regards to theological triage. Is this a primary issue? You know it's primary because it has to do with salvation. Secondary issue um, is like speaking in tongues, um, the gifts, those are secondary issues. Those things do not have to do with your salvation. And then you have tertiary issues of um, eschatology in the end times. So this issue of COVID is clearly um, a secondary issue. It is not a salvific issue where someone's going to lose their salvation. Now, John MacArthur speaks with hard lines and he's like, look, man, you ain't you ain't up on this if you ain't doing it like me. And that and, and that's um, and that's his opinion. Um, and technically, you can you can debate him in the text, and we should be debating in the text about these issues to see um, where the where the where the dice falls. Um, and also, just a side note um, for people who are saying that, okay, well, why don't you, you know, why are you guys so consumed with the building? Why don't you just do church outside? That's beside the point because yes, it's summer and we can do you know picnics and this, and you know barbecues for church, but but two twos two twos. It's wintertime. Yeah, yeah. What are you going to do then? So th- that's the principle. That's the principle. Is it, it's not necessarily, okay, well, you're consumed with the building or, 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 or you don't want to go outside, but the principle is like, okay, even when winter comes at some point, you're going to have to make a decision whether to open or not. And, and I think it, to your point, fundamentally, the issue is they don't have a authority to tell us how we have that authority. Who doesn't? Who the doesn't? government doesn't have the authority from a biblical standpoint to tell the church how to operate. You could, you know, Lehman could argue you shouldn't be doing it in the building. You should do it outside because of the risk. But my point is that you shouldn't be arguing because the government said X, therefore you should do it outside because they lack the authority to tell you where and when and how you. Now, obviously if you're not a Christian and you hear me say that, you're going to say, yeah, they have the authority, but that's a different, uh, I'm, I'm assuming yeah, no, no. that Jesus Christ is king. Make it to the end of this episode. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> right. No, Jesus Christ is king. His kingdom is here on earth, um, and he is and he is planning his church. Um, no, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Uh, the point is whether you're a part of Christ's church or not. Um, and for the people in the world, that's that's a whole nother language. But for the Christian, we know that Jesus Christ is the head of the church, unlike the Catholic Church, where they they see Jesus Christ as a figurative head, not a literal head, because the figurative head they believe in Christ, but they believe that the Pope is the literal the, the vicar, um, head. the vicar of Christ. Yeah, the vicar, the vicar of Christ. But but for the Christian, we believe that Christ is the figurative head and the literal head, and this is why we go to the text and we 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 derive our knowledge from Christ via His Word, and this is why we can argue and make these decisions in this way that are contrary to the culture of the world. So uh, give us your two cents. Let us know if uh, there's an aspect of this conversation we didn't answer or if you have more questions. And and would you go to John MacArthur's? If you were a member of John MacArthur's church, would you attend or would you just uh, say, you know what, John, I'm going to wait till things blow over? 
I think uh, based on what I said at the beginning, the audience knows my answer. Yeah. Yeah. So please let us know. Um, you can hit us at uh, Six Sense Report uh, at Gmail. And you can hit me up on Twitter and Instagram at Do Good a Darnell, D O G U D D A underscore Darnell, and Darnell Samuels on Facebook. And I'm T Joel N39 everywhere, and uh, Six Sense Report everywhere. Oh, Facebook, Twitter. All right. Six Sense. And remember, Six Sense still makes change, even on lockdown. But you heard me? Does that make sense?